0: Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
2: Welcome everyone and thank you for being here. It's just one of my most exciting times during the week is to identify, bring in, call in, integrate the ideas of being an intentional spirit. And that that being said, as as we say often... Uh, an intentional spirit either takes the external situations that they find themselves facing and turning it into something that is life-changing for themselves or others, or people that continue to, to plant seeds and move forward in the midst of uh, adversarial energies or things that are happening around them. We are We are about how we respond to those things that happen and I'm very excited for our our guest today. She's a colleague, but more importantly, she's a a noted author, Megan Smith Brooks, and she's bringing, um, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important conversations that needs to be had. I think it will spare people divorces. I think it will bring people into a greater self-esteem. I think it will make the world an entirely better reality, and that's the power of grief. Uh, Megan,
1: uh, welcome to our show today. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I am really grateful to be here to chat with you and to bring this very important conversation out into the open. I think that we need to have more courage to face grief and all it has to offer us in our life experience.
2: No doubt about it. And those of you that are tuning in, I'm not going to take the time to read her seven-paragraph bio. Her book, Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery, her Ford was written by Marianne Williamson, and she has been on a mission um, teaching people and showing them ideas and opening up the hearts for conversation in this power that we call grief. Megan, I think that grief and walking with grief and walking through grief and all the other ways that we say about it is one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves. I, I have a feeling, though, that um, in one way, it wasn't something that a few years ago you thought was going to be so active in your life. Paint a story for our audience of how it became so important to you and how, with the tragedy of your son, did it knock on
3: your door?
1: Well, that's a big um, topic. It's It's there's a lot to be said about it, but, you know, I think that we all have experienced pain and loss from some form in our life. Um, that's part of our human experience, and yet the really deep ones, the ones that take us to our needs, the one that crack our heart open to know to where we don't know how to move forward are the ones that we fear, and um, we don't have the tools or even know how to move through it. So for me, I'd experienced the loss of of my grandparents. My father passed in 2007, and that was painful. But in 2013, as I was traveling across country to join you and other colleagues at Unity um, Annual Convention, this year happened to be the one at sea out of Fort Lauderdale, I arrived at baggage claim, turned on my cell phone, and immediately I got a call from my firstborn son, Ryan, And he said, Mom, I've been trying to reach you all day. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but Justin's gone. You know, my thought was like, what do you mean he's gone? He goes, Mom, his body was found in the river. He's dead. Mm -hmm. And your heart just stops. You know, it's like you go into denial. I didn't hear that. That can't be true. You know, I couldn't reach him before I left because he didn't answer his phone, but I talked to him five days earlier he, this can't be true. And it's like this tsunami of of emotion that just slams you and you don't know what to do with it. Um, And so from that moment forward, it was a process of um, really just how do I breathe moving through this? How do I somehow accept what my mind doesn't want to accept? How do I come to terms? And as I gradually got more information, I I came to understand that my son had not only just died, he had been murdered intentionally through an act of violence. He hadn't drowned. He had been wrapped in a chain attached to a cinder block and thrown into a river with the hope that he would disappear. And that moment in realizing that was my first glimpse of how gratitude shows up in the midst of grief because I was so grateful that I at least knew what happened, and that I wouldn't have been left in that that unknown for the rest of my life of what happened to my son. Grief is a journey, and that was the beginning of it. And did you ever
2: find out for what reason that this level of, of violence was necessary? Did you ever find out any more to the story i mean obviously like you said there was a, a relief in there that you were able to fill in the the blank spaces but um it's just hard to believe in our humanity that these kind of things happen and yet and yet sadly we we know that they do
1: well you know one of the other things i was grateful for is that i had my foundation of spiritual beliefs and um And practices. I was already um, a unity minister. I was serving a community in Pasadena at the time um, and had been supporting others and their own life challenges and their grief stories and done multiple memorials. But it's a very different experience when it's your life, it's your child, and having to take that on a walk at yourself. And so as I gradually got more information, um, it was 18 months later they actually arrested two young men for the um, act of taking my son's life. They are both in prison now. Um, I learned a lot more about the judicial system than I ever wanted to. It moves very slowly, and ultimately there was a plea bargain, so there wasn't a trial, which I could be grateful to have not had to dealt with that. But there also were other people involved, and so parts of this story are still left open-ended. Um, the ability for the legal system to charge somebody—they don't want to—they don't want to um, charge somebody unless they have evidence to convict, and the evidence is what's missing, and so it's been left open-ended. And I know who's involved; um, they were family members attached to my son, which made it even more painful and. I have come to terms with just having to accept what I have control over and what I don't. And um, no matter what happens from this point moving forward, is isn't going to change the outcome of my son's death. So I have to move forward with how do I come to terms with that? How do I um, learn to live with it and practice forgiveness? Forgiveness became a huge part of my healing process.
2: And so, how did how did the journey lead you into the fact? Because uh, you know, writing a book, having done it, it it's a huge undertaking. And um, did anything occur that it just kept coming up and showing up, or you felt like that could be part of your forgiving process? I love that on your website, and everyone, um, I'll mention it's unravelinggrief.com. But I love the fact that your son uh, through the through the beingness of your son, actually wrote about how happy he was about you writing the book, and that, and, and you portraying him, and so that that was like, wow, that's that's pretty powerful. From that from that window, um, you just really did you did you just feel that you really needed this experience in your life and this sadness and this grief to matter. And and because you also realize that so few people, like you said, want to talk about it. We want to be happy and pretend these kind of things don't happen.
1: Um, you know, a it, question. A... <laughs> <laughs> you get. 20 well, minutes you know, everything's now. a process. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything's a process, and um, I wasn't thinking about writing a book from in the beginning. Um, you know, I had to deal with my own personal pain and um, how I was going to navigate that and really being with my feelings. And in hindsight, I look back and realize that as I used what I knew from the spiritual foundation, that we it's important to not avoid our feelings, no matter what they are, that there's this spectrum that we have. And as human beings, we tend to want to lean towards the happy, blissful you know, positive things and everything, you know, is the fairy tale that works out. And yet on the other side of things, the intensity of pain and grief and loss is just as intense as joy. And it's the full spectrum that if we try to avoid any part of it, we're not embracing the fullness of life. And so I, would, I started to sit with my feelings to acknowledge them and realize that when we do that, We actually go deeper into ourselves to discover something new about who we are, that I could begin to be grateful because if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't had this experience, there's a part of me that I may never have realized. And so as I began to work with that and monitored, you know, sort of observed my process, I realized that we don't do a good job of of grief in our society. We don't talk about it. We try to avoid it. We're uncomfortable with other people's grief. Um, and so how could I use this to support others and eventually I became clear that writing a book was going to be a part of my healing process though it took you know my son's been gone seven and a half years so six and a half years before I was able to finally sit down and begin the process and as I did I really felt my son's presence with me he wanted this story to come out he wanted his death to somehow serve a purpose to help make a difference in other people's reality that you can experience heart-wrenching pain and loss, especially from those that we love, and survive. And not only survive, but we can thrive. And maybe we can even enhance our life in a greater way because of it.
2: Well, the you know, the power of what you're offering, I mean, it, it literally it, it has a way of, if you will, going against what so many societal beliefs are, you know, that when you go through hardship or you go through something tragic like you have, there's going to be less of you. You're going to have less energy. You're going to age quicker, you know, yada, yada, yada. You're going to need more pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. and all those kind of things where where the deeper truth is, and like you're saying, if you acknowledge it, walk through it, face it as it comes, uh, experience it, you can't predict it, it's going to catch you off guard, hopefully, and all those kind of things, you actually become more, you know, and that's something I, I duly note about you, because this is a topic that I, too, uh, have worked with in my own life for a long time, and also work with the what people have the inability to let go and be in it themselves, you know, for me, I, mm-hmm. you know, Southern Baptist, God never gives you any more that you can handle, don't complain, you know, other people are starving, don't, 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 you know, have any, you know, thing like that, or then I, you know, as I understood, uh, I was always metaphysical, but as I participated with the metaphysical people, it's like, well, all is in divine order, you know, and then facing people that, oh my gosh, or even people trained in our movement that say the most interesting and pathetic things when it comes to loss and grief and dying and, and all of that. It was, it was actually the study of, you know, the depth of shamanism that really spared mm. me because I came to realize that that joy and grief sharing your life is, is the best life that one could ever dream of, and
1: you know, and it's out of that. Absolutely. One of the things that I wanted to address to you was um, an insight and aha awareness that I had in the process. Of realizing of the gift that grief offers us because there really is a gift when we're courageous enough to explore the depth of our feeling and to not be afraid of it and I wrote that what I discovered is grief slowly creeps into every part of us it infiltrates our thoughts and our feelings it seeps into our emotions it crawls into our it finds its way into the cells of our body and it takes over how it functions it finds its way into every aspect of our lives, our relationships, how we respond to the world around us, our behaviors, our perception of life on every level, and in time we don't even recognize ourselves as grief has taken up residence in who we are. And so what I realized is that our journey is about making friends with grief, realizing that it isn't our enemy, it is our friend, it has something to offer us, and it can support us as we move forward by embracing all that we are and letting it be a part of how we express ourselves moving forward, a gift in how they live their lives. And so as we can look at our precious memories and the things that are offered to us through that, it allows us to shift from the pain of loss to the gain of the value of the gift that we mourn and use that in our lives. To enhance who we are and to make better choices moving forward ultimately I think that it's a grace that we live a better life because of it you know
3: maybe your son just thought I was talking too much
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you never know you know he was a feisty one and he didn't like to follow the rules yeah I mean maybe he
3: just thought look you're just over talking and I need my mom to talk more and you know and those kind of things, I actually am not kidding, I believe in them, and I believe that they are possible, so anyway, Jeff will fix everything on our end, and i i can 't explain i didn 't do a thing i didn 't touch a thing i didn 't move a thing i 'm just sitting in the same place, and all of a sudden you couldn 't hear anything I was saying, so I think it was him, and we 'll leave it at that because that I think is another to me is another part of grief. Um, You know, Megan, I read somewhere a friend of mine, I believe she wrote it. She said there's two times that a person can die. Once is when your heart stops and the other is when people stop talking about you.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, there's something about keeping alive um, those that have lived and um, gone before us. And that's one of the things that I realized that there's this legacy that Everyone that's touched our lives offers us something of value. And as I could look at my son's life and how he lived it, um, you know, he had challenges. He wasn't perfect. None of us are. Um, And yet he lived life large. He lived on the edge. And one of the things I learned was um, to live more fearlessly because maybe he knew his life would be shorter. So he didn't hold back. And I could use that as something of value. I could integrate into how I live And that is his legacy that continues to live on through me. So then it it makes it more important for us to recognize the imprint that we're making and how we live our life. I honor my son by how I live now. And so having the courage to write the book, to bring it out into the public, to be vulnerable, I think was a part of that. And I'm grateful that I did it. Um, I know that my son was a part of that and... um, everybody that lives offers us something of value. Do we recognize that? Yeah, and I, I think that that's
3: one of the, the greatest calls that, you know, um, is that's a piece, cause, you know, and I, I'm sure you've said this at memorials. I know I certainly have. But then in living, it is different than just talking and giving concepts. Um, so we – you know we say to people that you know if you if you want the memory of the person to live on, live the qualities that that meant the most to you, become that you know express that, share that. Um, I think one of the things that has you know always bothered me about people's response to greed, and i I know the conversation people do the best they can, I know that you know well they're trying to say something. But it's like, come on, this is 2021, read Megan's book. <laughs> you know, read the book, Unraveling Grief, get educated. Just, It's better to say nothing than to say things like, I know how you feel, or, well, that oh. happened to me one time, or you don't ever know how someone feels. Even if it's an identical story, it's not identical feelings. And I I, th- I think that exactly. it's. It's just uh, really raw um, when, and that, I imagine the same happened, or I'm assuming it happened with you, that, that when people started hearing about it, did you also find that to be surprising, some of the things that were said to you in response?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> that, was, that was part of my observation, and then I realized how people are uncomfortable with others' grief, because it reminds them of the unresolved grief that they carry with them, that they have put aside in a, some compartment somewhere and not dealt with it. And so they're uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it and often don't know what to say. And so I realized that one of the things I could say to support them is, well, you know, I don't know what to say either. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm fine with talking about it or not talking about it, but it is very present within me right now. It's a very real thing. And so maybe we just need to talk about how we're feeling about sadness. You know, don't we tend to avoid that? So I noticed that, um, that people, um, or they either didn't want to talk about it all, or they would bring, instead of talking about my situation, they would bring up their stories, like you mentioned. It's easier to talk about something that they know.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I, it just fascinates me. I mean,
3: you know, within the law of creation, there's light and dark. And I just don't. Yes. I can't even resonate. I don't understand, you know, what the why it's so complex for for people not to not want to own uh, created, you know, by our creator. We were created with these feelings, a multitude of feelings. And um, I think what a lot of people don't realize is denied grief is expressed anger, often rage. And I'm sure mm-hmm. because you are you are developing or have developed or have claimed the space or whatever of being, um, you know, someone that's lived through it and you're talking about it and you're out there and you're teaching it. I'm sure you see that often, um, that that denied grief leads to that express or rage within people. If they could just understand that, you know, and make that Absolutely.
1: connection. hmm well, and you know, and that's that sort of that unhealthy or immature um, demonstration of ourselves. If we haven't become active o- of observers and live in the place of awareness of, you know, it's like maybe that's inappropriate action, or where is that coming from? Is that coming from something in me that I've been avoiding? Um, and so I'm projecting it out into the world. And anger and regret and guilt and rage, all that is a part of the grief experience. I was very aware of that, um, obviously, you know, when I, my son was taken from an act of um, violence and murdered, there was anger there. But there's also a healthy way to process anger, and it's not about taking it out on others, or being violent, or um, justifying it somehow because I've had something done to me. So there, that Old Testament thinking of an eye for an eye is acceptable. We have to we have to move beyond that. And um, so what's a healthy outlet for my, my feelings, which are a part of my experience? Obviously, we don't want to stop feeling, which is one way of people processing their grief is to go numb through addictive behaviors. You know, that's always an option, but it's not a healthy one. So how do we take what we're feeling and find a way to process it so we can transition it into something better something more healthy something that will allow us to thrive and that's what i want to help support people with
3: and you have a uh, don't you have a virtual retreat coming up in march with terry
1: i do terry wilder amazing singer songwriter and she's also a certified sound healer and now uh, medical intuitive we've collaborated to do um grief healing retreats and we've been doing them virtually because it's safer so we have a three-and-a-half-day one coming up March 18th to the 21st. And you can go on to my website. Um, actually, the retreat page is www.unityawakeningways.org slash retreats. i just sign up for that. And um, it's it's going to be a way of creating sacred space in your own home with some healing and transformational processes with sound and guided meditation and to allow you to find the way to discover the gift within grief for your own healing process, very empowering.
3: And and there and what a what great timing on your behalf um, to be doing this now. Now I realized you you know scheduled it months ago, but it's perfect timing for for where people are, especially in this nation and globally, um, because mm-hmm. of of just the grief of things are different.
1: <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and, and that's and, exactly and, it. Right? I'm you know, grief, grief is its lost from anything. The loss from our way of living. You know, exactly. that how people um, are so um, challenged and, and, and traumatized no by things being that. changed. So we'll, we'll address that more
3: when we come back after our short break. Thank you, everyone, for staying with us.
0: Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes.
3: Welcome back everybody and uh, wow, are we part of a conversation today? I'm gonna say if you were willing to start grieving in your life and you know, one of the things I say, I actually put it on a poster and a coffee mug on my website. <laughs> Megan, I didn't tell you this. If you don't own oh. your feelings, if you don't own your feelings, your feelings own you. And that's a fact. Oh. And so I'm um, I- talking today with Megan Smith Brooks. And her website is unravelinggrief.com. And that's a fact, is that we have feelings for a reason. They are part of your creative self. They are part of your evolution. And they are part of your moving forward and your energetic presence. And you, and I urge our listeners to make a note of it. When you meet someone that has a lot of energy, ask them Why? Ask them why. Ask them, why do you have so much energy? And one of the things you're going to hear them say is they deal with their feelings. They deal with what is up. They grow from happenstance and circumstance and and those kind of things. They don't pretend like it didn't happen or shove it under the rug or, you know, whatever. So, Megan, again, thanks for the work that you're doing. Uh, Tell us a little bit deeper Uh, some of the ideas I know you were reading from your book while ago, but go ahead and tell us some teasers about your book because it's very important. It's time for people to get educated about grief.
1: Absolutely. You know, and again, I'll just reiterate that it's a part of our life experience. It's part Mm -hmm. of our human experience that we can't avoid. So if we're living in avoidance, then we're not living fully. We're um, ignoring a part of who we are so one of the things that I use this tag word is called we must feel to heal. You cannot get to healing if you are avoiding feeling, <laughs> you know. And mm-hmm. so do we have the courage to go into feeling it all? And I, you know, I lead um, clients through it, and there's some processes in the book about um, going into this place of, of feeling it all, feeling it deeply, regurgitating it all like throwing it up, getting it all out so that you can begin to shift from that focus because it's taken over um, your thoughts and your feelings for a while. It's a process of moving through grief, especially when it's, um, you know, from the the death of a loved one. That, um, and, and as you had mentioned to me personally, you know, a loss of a pet. A pet is a family member. Um, Michael and I lost our dog this past summer too um, and it's heart-wrenching. Um, and we, you still feel this empty space there. And so the reminder can be a trigger of our pain. Triggers will happen forever. We can't avoid them. But you can learn how to manage them and how to um, allow them to just be, letting the tears flow. You know, I learned and I wrote about in my book is tears are cleansing, and if we can just let them flow without restriction to just feel the water just running down your face and dripping into your clothes and not having to grab the Kleenex, but just let it cleanse your soul and your heart. That can begin the process of healing. And then mm. we have to deal with forgiveness, you know, letting go of the energy that's holding us back. I had a huge process of having to forgive those that intentionally chose to take my son's life. But, you know, as we teach in our spiritual um, philosophy and unity is that forgiveness is a practice that keeps us clear and open so that we're not holding in that toxic energy that will um, pollute us in a sense. it, It limits us, it holds us back. We can't see clearly, we can't, love openly. So it's releasing that energy. I had to go to a parole hearing for one of the defendants and I wrote a statement that I read to him. He was in at the prison so I could see him on the screen but he couldn't see me so that was a kind act on the judicial systems part. But I told him, I said, I can forgive you because that's my spiritual practice but forgiveness does not release you from being responsible for your actions. And, and where you are, whether you're hearing a dog or not, <laughs> where, where you are is where you need to be because the consequence of your actions. And, exactly. and so, you know, we have to be more clear with the choices that we make and recognize what the possible response may be. You know, and so I, you know, that was immature action. That was survival mode behavior. Um, He got caught up into something um, that he didn't know how to get out of, um, as I come to understand. And yet he can still forgive himself and learn how to move forward and become a more um, viable person in society at some day if if he chooses to. And so we all have that choice. So in the book I talk about Everything is a choice. How do I want to respond to what's happened that I didn't have control over, that I didn't choose to experience in my life? I would never have chosen to have my son murdered, of course, and yet he was. So how do I use that to move forward? Forgiveness and gratitude are two huge pieces in how we use them as spiritual tools and practices in our healing of deep grief. And coming to understand that grief offers us a gift. And so within the book, there are four downloadable um, guided meditation links that will support that. There are also other um, uh, work, work processes, practices that you can use that are useful and practical and helpful. Because I felt it was important to not only talk about my story, my foundation, how I came to be where I was, but also to offer something useful. So that the book actually leads you from sorrow to gratitude, pain to acceptance, and brokenness to wholeness.
3: Mm. Say those again, please.
1: Sorrow to gratitude, pain to acceptance, brokenness to wholeness.
3: Mm. That's really powerful. I'm I'm really proud of you, colleague. <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're doing you're well you doing know it's really
1: great
3: are doing really great work out there I'm telling you it's so refreshing it's so refreshing to talk to somebody that's about being a human being and to me that's you know been part of it to me that I I don't understand is that often people like they think of this pursuit of spirituality you know puts you more into a place of nirvana or you know whatever, but it really my finding is and it, it's not like I'm the spokesperson of the universe, but my finding my own personal finding in my quest and knowing that I have more energy than most people I've ever met in my life has has brought me to a place that your your spirituality of ownership uh, of of really owning you know, who you are created in and as uh, in great spirit is that it really makes you more human, makes you feel more, makes you witness more sadness, makes you witness more grief, and makes you feel, you know. Um, a student was asking me the other day in ministerial school um, that, I, that I teach, um, you know, have you ever cried at a at a memorial or you ever cried at a wedding. I Are you kidding? More <laughs> often not I'm crying more <laughs> I'm crying more than anybody there. And it just if it is, it is. And and whatever mm-hmm. it is is. And but the fascination for me that I've tuned into in a really deeper way almost with expectation is when the baby comes to the memorial mm. or the funeral. Mm. Because when the baby is there, we are talking totally acting out. We are talking uncontrollable crying, right? And then Mm -hmm. you go up to the baby and you say, thank you for you are doing your job today. Thank you because you're right. Everybody else here is holding in their feelings and then the baby will stop. It's fascinating to me. And now that it's in my awareness, I'm aware of what's happening And I go back and invite the family, please don't go in the lobby, bring the crying baby back in the room. And, oh, by the way, baby, thank you. You know, I don't say baby, but you know what I mean. I actually find (laughs) out the name and all that. But um, it fascinates me. And then when you tell that to the audience or to the members or to the tribe or whatever, then they finally let go. They finally
1: let go. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how somehow we need permission to just be real um, mm-hmm. with the feelings and, and the depths of life. And I I agree with you in that our spiritual practice is not being, you know, at some pedestal above it all in some nirvana state. It's being in the trenches. It's being in the depths of all of it and embracing it and saying, okay, what, do you, what are you offering me? What do you have to teach me? What can I learn from you? How can I use you in this moment um, so that I, moving forward, somehow can be a better expression of who I came here to be? And I think grief is why I see it as the greatest teacher of my entire life, that it broke me open so that I could have the courage to crawl into all those places that I didn't know existed and be more authentic and not have to apologize or justify who I am. You know, it's still being respectful and being in integrity and um, honoring, you know, laws and those kinds of things. That's being a mature person. But not holding back. You know, be goofy or spontaneous. That's being spiritual, right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I was kind of, you know, really delving into that um, during the, you know, holidays, Holy Days, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, happy everything and all that. And I was thinking about, you know, um, because year after year after year and, you know, commercialization and all those things, I was thinking about what is it that really touches my soul around that period of time. And my, my takeaway was, for me, it, it's kind of like the gloaming. You know, the gloaming is when it's dusk. It's when it's, it, the brightest light and the brightest dark are kind of enjoying each other simultaneously as we're getting into nightfall. And uh, things feel animated. And that's how it feels to me during the season because at the same time in my emotional body, I'm holding the greatest joy, you know, a new friend or a great experience or, you know, here we are again, a new birth. At the same time, I'm holding immense sadness. And they're occupying Mm -hmm. equally the same amount of space in my being. And it is such a powerful thing, you know, to live, Mm -hmm. to be at a like you said, that it's okay, whatever you're feeling, you know, because rushing through you are the memories of you know grandmother's ornaments and and the aunt that's no longer here or the blah blah the the person that you don't witness anymore or the the friend that you're no longer in contact with or whatever, and it's all occupying that space and it's so powerful, it's so powerful if you let it, if you let it, oh, and that's what absolutely. The Mm-hmm.
1: that's a good um, way to define it because that really is what I recognize that I'm feeling. And it's hard to explain how can I feel the depths of sorrow at the same time. I'm feeling some intense joy and gratitude for a moment. It's, it's, it's letting the fullness of life be a part of me. And I think grief takes us to that place where we expand into being able to take more in so that we can uh, feel that, um, feel it all, feel the, the intensity of it, and um, just recognize it's the feeling for the feeling without maybe even having to name it, you know, as it's all kind of integrated in there. And one big mess maybe it feels like a mess sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but it's honoring it. And and so I, I totally get it. And I think our rituals sometimes help us go to that place where we open ourselves up to the richness of all of it. And then at the same time say, okay, what's in it for me now? What, what is it offering me? There's something new that maybe I'm willing to um, embrace or accept or explore that I, that I haven't been willing to do before. And that, again, adds another layer of richness to our life experience that I think is, is what's so amazing about it.
3: When you feel, um, you know, often it's like, um, you know, like, and I, I just keep comparing, like, to be in front of a room and just holding the space, you know, for um, someone who's died. And often I will say that, yes, we're definitely here for the, for the fact that a life has ended and those kind of things. And we're talking about death. But it's really about you're talking about life, and, and that's what you're saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: There's some kind yes. of some kind of twisted, insane belief that if I take a few minutes and I'm sad, even in the midst of all the things I have to be grateful for, I'm taking away from my life. But we've got to get people to say to see that they're putting life in in a much greater way. Um, and, and we look at, you know, the trailblazers like Betty White, a perfect example, people that have this longevity of life using grief and humor simultaneously, and they're, they're just powerful beings um, because they've learned to walk in all the dimensions of what is.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, um, in the judicial um, process, I was labeled as a victim. Which you know I understand is like something happened to me, but mm-hmm. I rejected the word victim. I wrote about it in my book, and that um, what we can easily take on is victim consciousness and live in that place of um, something happened to me or something was taken from me, so there i'm I have been diminished in value, and if we stay in that place and we live in that place, we are limiting um who we are and our life experience, and it's so sad and so tragic when I watch people stay in that place where all they want is revenge or um, they use it um, to get attention and they're not willing to process it to heal and move forward. And so I talk about it's important to shift from, if you catch yourself in that, to shift to survival consciousness, to embracing life consciousness, to seeing what I can use to move forward so that I'm focusing on what I'm experiencing and, and what I'm creating rather than keeping my focus back to what I've lost or what I feel like has been taken from me because we just stay stuck in that place. And in, But we have to notice it before we can shift it, right? Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, it's like when I lead people through a process of going deep, you have to feel the feeling before you can transform it to something else but then shift it to what are the precious memories that keep that that I love that I'm mourning alive in me. That can be how I shift when I get myself stuck in that place that keeps me in in sadness beyond where it's healthy or, or helpful. And I begin to then see that I'm still living. I'm still breathing. My life still matters. So, yes, I miss their presence. I miss hearing my son's voice. I miss seeing his face and his beautiful blue eyes. I miss that. And yet I can feel the essence of the joy of how he lived. And I want that to live through me. I want that to be a part of me. But I had to choose that. I had to choose how I was going to live. And I think that's an important catalyst um, um, when we when we're able to shift in our healing process of grief.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I totally resonate to everything that you're saying. And I, I think that, I don't know about you, but my experience is it seems so much bigger at times than it is. In other words, the dose of grief. You know what I mean? I mean, I was just recently Mm -hmm. going through something, and uh, years ago at a convention, there was a man from a tribe, I think he was outside of Phoenix or something, and he was saying that Mm -hmm. in his culture, they don't even teach people the word why, Mm W-H-Y, and he Mm -hmm. said, because it's not a word to them. And that's really stuck with me, because when you have grief, you know, I mean, like, whatever i was just recently enduring it's like i don't know why it's like you know but i feel it i feel the sadness i feel the grief but when a person gets into well why you know i mean everything's going pretty good why then they get into mentalizing and head tripping yeah and it 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 takes them right out of out of that space of the heart. I've seen that so many times, you know, when people were sitting across the chair from me and delving into wanting to improve their lives. And the moment they start feeling they'll change the subject, you know. Uh it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. Go no, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Stay where you're at, go deeper there. But I think the point is, and part of what you're you're saying as well, is that if you will go there you know, it, it's not as big as it seems. And on the other mm-hmm. side, you have so much more happiness.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and it's we fear the pain. We fear what's uncomfortable. And so our human mind wants to avoid that. And unless we notice that's what we're doing, we don't realize how we're just limiting um Um, ourselves we're holding ourselves back and I think that why question is really important because I do coach people to not not even ask the question you know I noticed that it was natural for me to try to understand why would somebody choose to take my son's life well there's no real answer to that so why torture yourself (laughs) with trying to figure out what somebody else was thinking you know the answers may never be there so it's not a productive process so shifting to then what can I do is, is more productive. What can I do then knowing what I know? How do I want to live my life moving forward? What do I want to do with it? What are my options? Um, what do I need to gather for myself? Um, those are the productive um, processes. And as soon as we can start to do that, then we shift into living again we shift into honoring the value of life itself and how do I want to be a part of that? So to me, that's one of the gifts and one of the values that grief offers us is perspective. And, um, and that is, um, you know, really a tremendous gift that we don't always ask ourselves. What does this offer me? Don't get stuck on why it happened. It did. It just did.
3: So as you're tuning in, everyone, and as you're listening, if you're if you're ready for more energy in your body, if you're at a place in your life that you feel things could work better, if you want to stay young, regardless of the age, the amount of years that you have lived, this would be a great time to look at a new door uh, called owning part of yourself. And you can go to unravelinggrief.com and find out more about Megan Smith Brooks and her work. And she also has a meditation CD. She has a retreat coming up. And this could be the time. It could be a great time uh, to own your feelings so your feelings don't own you, own you. I appreciate all of you and your involvement. And you can go to templehays.com or firstunity.org to discover more about us because we also have programs about grief on our institute for lifelong learning. So Megan, wow, the time went so quickly. It did. <laughs> <laughs> I have really, really enjoyed this conversation with you and I, I love uh your op- I don't want to say authenticity, that word's just beat to death, but I just love your raw, real self. It's so refreshing. Thank you for being a voice. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for allowing me this time. And um, if I might, I'll just say the full name of my book, Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery, is available on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle version. And I also do have an an online course that's available to go deeper into the work from my book. And all of that would be available on my website, unravelinggrief.com. That's great. Yeah, say the full title of the name of your book again. Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's incredible work that that you have done. And um, with a couple of minutes left, uh, what is something you would like to leave us with today?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I, I ended my book with is, started, is talking about the African um, philosophy of U- U- Ubuntu and maybe you've heard of that and Absolutely. you know when it comes in it you're familiar with that oh yes uh-huh um i am because we are is basically and and so i realized that that is a philosophy that we can live by from those that have come before us is that i am because they were but how how about if we say i am because we are because all of us have lived and offered something of value um, that it connects us in mind, body, and spirit and the eternity of how we continue to be connected and that we are truly blessed from that. And I realize that another um, word for thrive means to be blessed. So as I honor the love that I mourn, as I choose to live and embrace life fully, I thrive because I am blessed by choosing that. And, and that's what I want everybody to recognize and be able to choose for themselves no matter what life is offering you. Thrive because you are blessed.
3: That's a very powerful statement. That's um, incredible work. And I know that I just sense that not only have you already touched so many lives, but you're going to be reaching so many more in the future with all that you are and, and what you're doing Uh, Megan, thank you for your willingness to be out there and to be out loud. Um,
1: Thank you so much.
3: Yeah. Many blessings to you. And thank you, everyone, for being with us to share this show. It's a very important subject. We appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.